from the Kramer Basketball Headquarters in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You are listening to the Coach's Edge Podcast, powered by Coach. Here is your host, Steve Kramer. We're talking five out motion offense with Twin Valley Middle School coach Jeff Pillar. Um, Jeff has been a Coach's Edge member for about a year. They just started their basketball season for the 22-23 year. And and man, I'm excited to dig into this one, uh, get the chance to know you for the past year or so, and to learn a little bit more about why five out can be so beneficial for basketball players, especially at this level where they're learning, they're growing, they're developing their skills, their understanding of the game so much at the seventh and eighth grade level. So Jeff, first off, thanks for being on the Coach's Edge podcast and go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners. Jeff Peller, um, I've been coaching middle school basketball for the past five years. This is my fifth season. Um, Appreciate the opportunity, Steve, to uh, talk a little bit of basketball. One of my favorite things to do outside of, uh, you know, family and all that stuff. Um, but no, I, I think the five out is great for uh, youth basketball in that it gives the kids the ability to use their athletic athleticism and, uh, you know, abilities that they may not be able to use in a structured offense or even, you know, a 4-1 or whatnot. But it, it definitely gives them abilities to use, you know, smaller guys can, you know, use their quickness. Bigger guys can still use their speed and agility and, and get to the basket. So it, it gives everybody an opportunity to uh, be positionless, which is kind of the way the, the basketball is going, at least in our country now. Yeah, absolutely. The more I've gotten to chat with you and some of our other Coach's Edge members, I'm, I keep warming up to more five out, uh, which is one of the reasons why we're, we're doing this is um, being able to teach players how to, you mentioned the word positionless. How can we be positionless? How can we teach all skills for all players, especially at this younger level? And then as they get older, then coaches can decide a little bit more about, okay, what's our roster look like and what type of position can we put our players in to be more successful? You know, once they get up to the varsity level and you're up, you know, one thing we should mention as well is you also help out with uh, the varsity team. And so you're in a cool situation in Pennsylvania where you're coaching eighth grade. You're kind of the varsity coach over seventh grade, correct? And then you're also in a position where you're helping out with the varsity team. Is that right? Correct. Correct. Yep. Yeah. So that's pretty cool um, because you just get to see a lot of basketball at different levels uh, as well. So you mentioned a little bit of the why. Tell us a little bit about how running five out you found it to be successful for your players so so first let's talk about kind of like the spacing of it um it it gives them well first of all it definitely gives them ability just to play basketball so too much too much we tell them to do you know act like robots kind of but this gives them some freedom some creativity and, and which all gives them some enjoyment in playing the game so we try to give them rules. We, we try to, you know, give them, you know, here's better ways of doing things. Um, and, and once they get some success, we, we build on that and give them confidence. I, I think a lot of the youth, um, they, they try to win a lot. Um, they try to, 
you know, put people in positions where their team can be more productive and, and dominate at the youth level. Um, so we're getting to the point where the big guys might not be the big guys in the future. The small guys might not be the small guys in the future. So we're experimenting, exploring different skills for our players. And it's, it's definitely a challenge to them. But once they start getting confidence and success, it just breeds more confidence and success. And you see them grow exponentially, which is, which is the best reason why I like it. Mm -hmm. Really helping develop that all around player. Well, let's, let's keep on the spacing uh, topics for coaches that are listening. Where are some of the spots on the court that you're trying to fill as you, you know, you can bring it down from transition into half court offense. So transition, I, I try to get the first two guys to the wings. Um, and then the guy with the ball coming up, uh, we call it a channel. It's kind of at the wing position. Um, I, I like coming up the wing position because it actually has your defense has to move. You know, if you come right down the middle, your defense is set. So I like coming up a channel. Um, the uh, trailer would come up the middle. Um, I, I, tell, I tell the guy if they have nobody defending them, go to the rack, you know, score. Um, other than that, we have a couple actions that we do um, on early early offense. Um, we either pass the ball up, cut, um, but we're we're in our five out positions already, and and the five out positions are um, graphically on the 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 the, um, the court. They are the low post extended our corners, free throw extended our wings, and, and top of the key for for the uh, trailer position. Um, seventh grade, younger than that, we would move everything up a little bit so the passes are a little bit closer because they're not strong enough to make make those uh, those longer longer passes. But I try to give them you know something visually that they can look at on the floor. And, and for the first couple of weeks, it's it's always reminders. You know, are you in the right position? Are you in the right position? The other thing about position is, um, especially at the eighth grade level, where they can shoot three pointers. You want them to be two or three feet behind the three-point line. You know, if they're on, they usually hug the three-point line. And then you have to explain to them, okay, if I take a shot and I'm doing a one-two step, where am I at? I'm either on the line or below the line, and that's probably the worst two-point shot to take out there. So you, get, you know, even though we want them behind the three-point line, they have to realize that they have to stay about two or three feet behind that, so that when they get into a shot progression. They're still shooting threes or they have room to drive. So that's probably the spacing aspect of it. Um, it is it is a reminder, reminder thing that's constantly going on. And and I do film the games. So we kind of look at it and we evaluate that. But it, it's going to be, you know, it's probably something that dominates the first couple of weeks of practice. Mm -hmm. I love it. And uh, great teaching point on on shooting threes. I mean, how, how many players do we see stepping in on that, that three point shot and uh, boy, it's a foot on the line or just a step over. It's like, you're right. That's the worst. That's the worst shot that we can take. Um, so getting back to transition, you know, if, if it's uh, let's paint a picture here, it's a defensive rebound. Let's say the ball is being outlet and you're bringing it up. And I, I, I like the fact that you're, you're bringing it up on a side, right. Instead of right in the middle. You got a trailer running towards the top of the key. You got two other players. They're screaming down the sidelines on the wings. Is there 
do you have a rule for if, if somebody's the first player down, like, do they rim run and then go to the corner? Do they go immediately to a corner? Is it a certain side? Do they go ball side, weak side? You know, what do those things look like? So, so yes, that is an added, added feature that we do. If you're the first guy out, you go to the rim. So for, you know, if you beat the defense down, go to the rim, we'll outlaw the Tia, get a quick basket. Um, if you're not the first guy, or even if you're first guy, then you filter out to the corners. We want to fill the two corners. The third person will probably get one of the wings. Um, the ball, you know, the dribbler will come up the other wing. And then we have the uh, the trailer at the top of the key. Um, we do like drag screens, you know, where the, the uh, trailer will set a screen. We'll do, uh, you know, a pass to the corner where the uh, ball dribbler will cut to the basket. Get in, you know, all these get us back into five out. Um, the other thing is we'll do a, you know, we can do a dribble handoff where the corner guy will come up, we'll dribble handoff. So those are the three options that we do, but you can just add many options to to what you do. But everything gets you, keeps you in the five out positioning and allows you to, if you have an early option, early offense option, take it. If not, we sit up in our five out and, and just play basketball after that. Mm-hmm. So let's, uh, so you, you like going DHO, dribble handoff. Yep. You mentioned a drag screen or a lot of times you'll, you'll push it up to the corner and then basket cut through and that's creating a double gap and you're looking to drive off that. Yep. Exactly. Nice. So those are three for our listeners. That's great, right? You got to, you understand what's this transition look like going downhill. Okay. We're in our spots and what are some initial action to try to create some type of a small advantage with with your offense those are some that we can we can use are there uh let, let's so we've talked spacing let's talk cutting a little bit what are some of the movements without the basketball that you know you found to be effective you mentioned you know push up pass cutter through what are some other ones that you have so just the basic basic concepts of cutting it you know, going one direction and, you know, getting your defense to move in one direction, going the other direction, um, cutting hard, cutting completely to the basket. You know, many of our guys will take one, two steps and then bounce back out. That just, that just destroys. Yeah. The, you uh, got to finish the cut. If you're going to cut, yes. finish the cut. That's, that's cutting one-on-one right there. I like it. And, you know, one of the high school coaches, they put a chair there underneath the basket. You know, I put a cone there, a big cone. You got to touch the cone. Mm. Kind of get some repetitious, you I know. Like it. Um, put your hand out, you know, look at the ball. I mean, you have some kids that will, um, you know, just jog to it, you know, jog to the to the basket and then run out. Even when we, even when we touch the bat, you know, the underneath the basket, open up to the ball. Mm. You know, you'll have kids just turn your back. Mm. You know, I, I explained to them that, you know, you can't catch a ball if you're not looking at the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're taking yourself out of the offense if you turn your back to the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, we try to do face cuts. Um, you know, we can go behind them, but you're probably not going to get a you're not probably not going to get an opportunity to score if you go behind the, the defender. So little things about you know all the kids want to score. Here's better ways of positioning yourself, ways to do this to get opportunities to score. Um, we had our first game last night, and um, they went to a two-three zone. We still stayed in our five out. And, you know, the center was there. We had opportunities to pass the ball before, you know, between the the guard and the center, and then the center to the forward. 
there's two open windows there, you know, that we could exploit. So even in a zone, we have opportunities with with good cutting and 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 you know effort, a lot of effort. Um, we can get opportunities to score. So some of the kids, you know, this won't work against zone. I'm like, you know, you just got to explain them where the opportunities are, where they can get you know scoring opportunities, and that gets them excited, and you get more buy-in with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, it'll work against uh, zone. I mean, I I think that. You know, it's it's funny. I can see at this kind of structural level how it could be even more effective against the zone than against the man uh, a lot of times because of, um, you know, just some of the locations that you're filling that are occupying certain defenders in the zone. And then, as you mentioned, okay, that also leads to open passing angles during some other spots, especially if teams are playing a traditional two, three zone, you know, eighth, eighth grade level. Um, I can see that being taken advantage of. You mentioned uh, screening earlier. Talk a little bit. Um, you mentioned drag screens on the ball. You know, this could be, you know, that that uh, last trailer and transition that you're sending up. Off ball as well. What are some of the screens that you guys practice? So one, one of the big things, uh, a lot of my principles are read and react concepts. And, you know, I, I've done a lot of, you know, with the pandemic, there's a lot of opportunities to learn and get better. And I've learned from a lot of great coaches and a lot of good organizations um, uh, over the last couple of years. Um, one of the big things about Read Interact was frustrating to me is when you cut, you'd have to find the open side. And the kids thought they would mess up if they didn't find the open side and they would get a little bit nervous. They'd take a couple of steps and they, oh, there's a guy there and they go back to the other corner. And, uh, you know, it's slowed down the offense. Um, I think a year or two ago, I was in a, a clinic or a conversation and was told just if there's a guy in that corner, put your hand up, set a screen. You know, and, and that was extremely valuable because now I can tell the kids, you can't mess up. You know, if you choose a side where there's nobody, then you fill that void. If you choose a side where there's somebody standing out there, show them the fist, which is one of our screening uh, indicators and let them call them off that screen. And sometimes the defenders aren't, aren't paying attention to that and we get easy looks there. So that's probably the, the biggest the biggest screening that we do besides the early offense, we do the drag screen. We also, if I want to get somebody in the corner up to the wings, I'll have, you know, the, the wings will come down and set a screen for the corner and we'll just do a perimeter screen as well. Um, we also, one of our, and I guess it's getting in actions. One of our actions are pass and screen away. Um, we definitely do that a lot. And the uh, we can either curl off of that or we can pop off of that. So I, I don't do a lot of ball screening. The only time we do a ball screening is on early, early offense. Um, but we do use it in our offense in other different ways. So, I mean, this is so good. I mean, because because you're automatically into setting some of those wide pin down type down screens, right? Which I've become much more partial to than, I mean, back when I was playing, it was always the, the tight down screen that happened more at the block, right? And yep. um, the the hard part about that is when you when you pop off that, I mean, you're running away from the basket and it is so hard to be running back to the rim, get into that catch. I mean, be able to square 180 degrees and then be able to 
lift and light that up to turn the corner and drive quickly because you're, you're literally, you can't see the court when you're doing that. And so, um, you know, any time where we can start to set screens that are just a little wider on the court, uh, that makes it easier to, to curl. It makes it easier to turn and lift up and get in your shot. It's filling those uh, perimeter locations, especially in the corners, much easier. And I'm assuming, okay, you're teaching, you know, to pop, you're teaching to, to curl, you're teaching to, to slip, you're teaching to flare, all those different different reads off of a, a screen and you're still filling the locations and you're set up um, really well right there. Are there any other actions that uh, you found to be really effective? You know, teaching, again, coach to our coaches listening. I mean, Jeff's talking eighth grade basketball, right? He's having his, his boys, all of these actions. I mean, we, we can run this at any level. You see these actions at the NBA level, right? At the, at the European level, uh, this, this type of style of play has no uh, limit, right? It, you can just keep building, 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 building on all of these, these things. Are there any type of other actions that you found to be effective? I mean, our three actions are, you know, cutting, you know, basket cuts, pass and screen away, and then DHOs. Mm -hmm. You know, they're they're the three, mm -hmm. they're the three actions that we do, and then we do the drag screen as an early offense mm -hmm. opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, but but they're the they're, they're the core of our system. Nice, you know, and 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 funny that you mentioned I was on uh, I guess Twitter, and they had the Golden State Warriors doing a five out, right, and just doing simple, you know, passing screen away, getting getting opportunity to drive, and, and it's all the stuff that. You know, I've been teaching at the eighth grade level and seventh grade level. Mm -hmm. So it, it's universal. It, it's not, you know, it might be simple. It might be boring to some, but it's fundamental. Mm -hmm. And once you learn it, 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 it gives you, you know, a foundation to start building from. What I love about the IQ, right? So teaching this because this isn't a continuity offense, right? This is, this is a read and react style. And so, Hey, I'm trying to fill the open spot. Oh, I didn't fill the open spot. Okay, I can set a screen. Instead, you're playing off the ball. You're playing off of one another. There is essentially no wrong answer, right? Whereas if you get into sets, obviously there's there can be a wrong answer. You get into some continuity, a little harder to mess up, but there still can be some wrong, wrong answer. But when you're getting into read and react, I mean, the, the biggest mistake is you just don't do anything. Right. But we, if, if somebody makes a, makes an action and say, eh, there was probably a better choice. However, that still leaves the other four players on the court, the opportunity to, to move, to make their next cut. And it, it's an offense that can essentially correct itself. If things kind of get, get out of shape, which I think is huge for teaching this level of basketball. How long have you been teaching five out at the junior high level? This is my fourth year. Fourth year. Um, the first year we had more of a continuity offense. Um, then, then I took over the middle school program and, and did a lot of, you know, research, a lot of learning, and and I I, I kind of I, I did uh, youth basketball seven years prior, and I tried to put it in with some of those teams, more of our rec teams and stuff. Just didn't have enough practice. It actually. Uh, a couple of the girls' teams picked it up a lot quicker than than the older boys' teams, um, which you know goes to the the fact that you know in, in my experience, the girls are more fundamental, and they they listen better and all that kind of stuff. But uh, 
Um, that was that was kind of something that I that I've definitely experienced. Um, but you know, you do you still need the repetition, and and they need the buy-in. You know, they need the confidence. You know, twice a week, um, they're not getting enough reps. Um, they don't see immediate satisfaction or opportunities, and they they start slowing down and and not being bought in. But the last three years, definitely, this has been core. And once, you know, at first you get a little bit, you know, coaches isn't going to work, you know, but then once they start using it and they start building upon it and see success, um, it, it, it keeps on going. And, and our high school runs, runs a similar um, offense. You know, it's one of their offenses, a little bit more complex, a little bit more um, in advanced. Uh, whereas, you know, I kind of have, you know, I'll have a, uh, an offense where you're just doing the the passing cut right you're just doing the passing screen away yeah whereas the, the high school they'll mix stuff together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so um we tried i tried to give them two options to everything mm-hmm. you know i try to you know if they have the ball i mean they could definitely shoot you know um but if they they can't shoot or they can't drive um they either pass or we use the other one as a dribble at where you dribble at the defender and then they do a backdoor cut. Mm-hmm. So I always try to give them two options. Uh, we also talk about a progression. You know, once you catch the ball, first time you catch the ball, you should be looking to shoot or drive. You know, if you can't shoot, you can't drive, then you want to move the ball. Um, it's either, you know, a pass to somebody closer um, or it's a pass on a perimeter or it's a dribble out on the perimeter. So you have the concept of I catch the ball, I shoot. If I can't shoot, I try to attack, either dribbling or passing. And then if I can't attack, I'm just moving the ball off. That would be a perimeter pass or a dribble at. Mm-hmm. So we try to give them some, some thought process. And I try to limit things to two options. Because once you give them more than two options, it's chaos. And they're, they're deciding which option to choose rather than just doing it. Mm-hmm. So, so there is, and that's where I see we're at the middle school. I try to limit things where, you know, in high school, they have many more options and a lot more advanced uh, mm-hmm. topics and stuff. Well, I mean, that's so good that you mentioned that because we just had coach AJ Burton at one of our last coaches edge meetings. He's coaching junior college basketball. He talked about doing the exact same thing. You know, they're running four nice. out and they're running uh, again. It's essentially read and react with four out. And there's times where he just gives them two choices or he doesn't give them a choice. He said, Hey, it's, it's always pass screen away. It's always pass screen away. And then you're reading the screen and then we're going to play off that. Um, and so he'll, he'll give them certain rules to, to play by until they start to get it. Okay. Hey, now, Hey, look for dribble handoffs here. All right. We're, and we got an opportunity to dribble handoff. We're going to dribble handoff. And then you start to just open it up because this is a marathon, not a sprint. And so, uh, as coaches, it can be easy for us in our mind to figure out how do we want this to look. And then it doesn't look like that at the beginning of the season. Then we say, ah, it's not going to work. No, this, this is a marathon, right? You're going to look better at the end of the year than you are in November and December putting in this offense. And you can spoon feed it a little bit. You can layer. You can have a little progression here, progression there, put in some some constraints or some rules. And then we start to open and build this thing up because everybody wants to be better at the end of the year than they are at the beginning, This is a way that we can run something that's more read and react, something that doesn't necessarily have wrong answers 
but we don't want to overwhelm the kids. So you can give them a, here's your, here's what we're looking for. Or it's this choice or this choice, right? Just give them two options. Okay. Here's a third choice. Right. And then you start to, to build the game out there. That's uh, awesome. So this was a little bit of a, some, some challenges we're getting into. Are there any other challenges that you've noticed trying to run five out uh, at the junior high level? Um, there's a lot of them, you know, um, looking for the ball when they're, they're cutting, you know, turning their head to the ball. Um, probably, probably the biggest one I would say is ball pressure, handling ball pressure, because, you know, the kids turn their back. And once you turn your back, you, you, you're not in offense anymore. You're, you're scrambling. Um, so handling ball pressure because, because you have to take your time. You have to let the cut complete. And especially if you're cutting instead of screen, you want you want all the actions to complete before you move the ball. So sometimes they're too fast. You know, they'll pass, 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 and everybody's running around cutting. So it's also there's a there's a there's a a slowness, there's a uh, evolution to this that you know they have to start developing and, and they have to, you know, we we talk about a lot of talk about one second, you know, one second time to to do something with the ball. And at least at this level, you need a couple of seconds. You need to relax. You need to be confident. You need to wait to say things end, you know, the actions end. Because even when you're running to the corners, there might be an opportunity there where you're wide open. The guy doesn't follow you. So there's there's a lot of opportunities until the action completes. And sometimes we rush. And even in practice where we we don't do much on air stuff, but when we do on air things, it's like pass, pass, pass. And I'm like, slow down. You know, let's go through our progressions and watch things. Um, not completing their cuts is another one. You know, they'll take two or three steps and they go right back to the spot. They'll have the person on the wing, you know, the corner coming up the wing. Now you have two guys occupying a, a one spot. Um, the other thing that's not kind of reinteract, but we talk about shot selection. You know, and I know you're big on this. Um, it's a big thing, but we evaluate our shots um, and we try to identify what are good shots, what are bad shots, um, how can we get better. You know, it's the easiest way to get your field goal percentage up by taking better shots. And and the thing we met a couple of weeks on this uh, and, and to find our, our ranking, we use like a one to five ranking. Um, so we can evaluate things. We can talk the same language um, and we can get good shots and they're team shots. They're not individual shots. That's the big thing. You know, are your, your teammates okay with that shot, you know? Um, and then there's the concept of a good shot and then a better shot. You know, the one more, you know, looking down low post of a guy's wide open. So even though we have a ranking, which, uh, you know, five is a good shot, you know, we, we have like a six, which is a better shot. Can we can we get somebody else on our team a better shot than what we have? So I think I think that's a big part of, of of basketball is having the same kind of lingo, you know. And I can talk to the kids about having a conversation, and we're talking about the same thing. We have the same uh, foundation, same terminology, and, and that gets to just one other thing. I just want to add, Steve, is, is sets. A lot of people want to have sets when they're inbounding the ball. Um, they want control. You can still have control over this. You know, we could we could say the the point guard or the guard goes up the wing, makes a pass to the to the trailer at the top of the key, have him cut down, and let's have him set a screen for the guy on the corner, 
and we look for that screen. So we're still using all the actions that we have, but we build a plan up. So it's not, I, I don't have to have five different sets. I can add five different options or actions to it and say, go run this at a timeout. So we have terminology, we have concepts, we have actions, and we build off of those actions to kind of form what, you know, control and what we would say is a set. So we don't need to have robots out there. They know the language, they understand it, and they can go out and, and I think, a lot easier um, execute it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You can put in some control without changing up what you're running, essentially. Like, Agreed. Agreed. You know, where you know, a coach might say, hey, we're running five out, it's read and react, players have all the controls, a coach, I don't have any. Oh, I need to put some control because I want to make sure we get a, a post touch or a, a flare for a three. And so now we're going to run this play. It's like, no, actually, we can have the best of both worlds. We can still play five out. We can give them some structure here and there so we can get a look that we want. Now, you mentioned throwing it into the post. You know, how often do you guys you know get it into the post? Is that something you still look for? What does that look like? Well, we, we do a four, 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 one offense. So we would have a post person in there. Um, so we, we do have a continuity offense at the high school runs, um, you know, so that they can know it when they get up to the high school. We have the five out and then we have the four one, which is more where we have the, you know, when we have, when we have a, a, an advantage in the post, we'll run a four, four out, one in. Um, in years past, I would add to the five out where you stay in the post for maybe like three passes. So even if you run a, a five out, you can still use a low post um, where you can say instead of, you know, going out to the corner, stay in the post for two or three passes. I, I've done that in the past as well. Um, this year, I think we would, I think I have, you know, a couple of different skill sets and groups with different skill sets, which I would run a five out with one skill, one, one group and a four one with another group and, and mix it up, you know, not pigeonhole them to it, but just see how things work. Um, some kids are, you know, like to have their back to the basket and, and post up. Um, but that's only part of what they do, not just their their defined role. No, I love it. Um, tell us a little bit about how you teach driving and the, the spacing and, and when is a good opportunity for someone to think, hey, when I catch the ball, I probably have a good opportunity to drive compared to a kid catching the ball and saying, you know what, I probably don't have the space to drive on this one. It's probably going to be, you know, shot, pass, uh, dribble handoff, something like that. So we do a simple drill. I'm not sure where I got it from, but we'll have five guys underneath the basket, one guy at the free throw line. And I might have gotten it from you. Um, so they pass the ball out. They, they have five balls. They pass the ball out. And it's a decision drill. You know, they're going to close out. Either they shoot or they drive. So they start learning, um, you know, when to shoot, when they're contested shot and when not to shoot and when to shoot and when to drive. And the other thing is um, when when the uh, when you have a cutter from the wing, um, I think reading that causes a, a draft, a draft uh, drive. You know, you'll you'll have the wing guy cut to the basket that opens up that whole wing and that defender is kind of going with them. That defender could interrupt the defender that you're on. So you draft off to him and you have a good scoring opportunity there. So you look for gaps, you look for drafts and you start and you're looking for closeouts, you know, bad closeouts, poor closeouts, 
you would shoot. Once you get that down, you might pump fake and you drive. So those are the three driving opportunities that, that I see most. But it's decision-making and it's repping those decisions. Decision-making, repping the decisions and understanding the locations and the spacing, right? So we talked about driving the gaps, right? So if if I'm at the top of the key and I got a teammate on each wing standing there, I probably don't have a great gap to drive, right? But if somebody cuts through from the wing, okay, well, that creates a gap. I can, I can kind of try to draft off that on my drive. Coach mentioned the the closeouts, right? Is it a short close, closeout? Is it a long closeout? What are the actions? Is it just poor, right? And then that's an opportunity for us to drive. And so being able to instill that within our players is huge, even at the varsity level. I mean, I watch, <clears throat> I watch games, but boy, this this kid's got some game. He can understand when to drive, or he can drive it, but he doesn't understand when to drive it. And so he he's just getting himself and his team into trouble. And he's got a ton of skills, and he's got some quicks. He's got some wiggle to his game, and as as coaches i think we need to do a better job of teaching the gaps the spacing and the decision making of reading closeouts and you gave an example of a of a simple but very effective drill right of just repping out like defender gets the basketball out to the offensive player and we're reading quickly right and then the next defender comes out next defender comes out and being able to to train a decision that needs to happen in you know you know, you mentioned the, the higher level you go, the faster this decision needs to be, right? And to be able to continually train that. And I think you're just, you're doing your kids a great service at this level because there's so many things that you're doing that are uh, effective for a varsity level team, which is awesome. Um, before we go, coach, I wanted to ask you a little bit about leadership. Right? We talk about leadership a lot at the varsity level. What are some things that, you emphasize establishing leadership and communication at the eighth grade and the junior high level. So we we went through a standards, um, defining our standards. We pick two standards every year. And then we, uh, we talk about how do we apply that standard in different situations, like playing a game, practice, on the bus, on the bench. And one of our, our standards this year is leadership. The other one's effort. Um, which was all picked by the kids. So giving them buy into this stuff, um, you know, letting them control, you know, little things to to let them feel that it's their team, not, you know, I'm I'm telling them everything that they have to do. So I do have rules, you know, we do have um some non-negotiables, but we also have standards where the 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 players themselves identified what's important to them and what's important in different situations. So I, I think having them part of, of the team, you know, part of the decisions, um, you have to give them ownership. You have to ask them questions. You know, when I, when I come in at halftime, I'm not the first guy speaking, you know, what did you guys say? Let's talk about what you guys, say. you guys are playing the game. I'm a, I'm an observer. Let's see what you guys are, are seeing. What are you feeling? You know, talk to me, let them talk first. Because if I talk first, the, the whole conversation is going to be what I discuss. Mm -hmm. um, let them talk first and then build off of those discussions. Mm -hmm. um, ask questions. You know, even though if I think I know what the problem is, I'm going to ask questions to see what they're they're thinking. 
Um, and then that that builds upon a conversation. They're all they're all relationship stuff. It's building relationships, but um, I don't have I don't have captains. I've done captains in the past. I think they all should be a captain. Um, they all should be leaders. Leaders need good followers, so they all have to understand how to be a follower. Um, but it, it's it's not, you know, when I when I was a kid, you know, your 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 coach, you know, you did everything by the letter of the law. You know, mm-hmm. it's a give and take thing. It's their team. It's our team. Um, they're the guys out there. They're the guys that have more understanding. You know, their 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 picture is different than my picture. Mm-hmm. Their their video is different than my video. Um, and we have to pull that out of them, understand their video or their perception of what's going on. That's the only way you're going to make them better. Mm-hmm. You know, I can say, oh, you didn't do this. But then if they're comfortable with you, they're going to say, well, I saw another guy over there. And then you have a deeper discussion mm-hmm. rather than just saying you have to be at this spot, you know, and then that 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 overshadows all the decision making that they're making during that process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not black and white. It, there's a lot of gray in having an open relationship, a discussion about things, and it it just builds a, a better relationship. And and I think it allows them to grow and, and to have ownership in this. This is this is their team as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I do some other things like at times we'll we'll have a couple of kids. They identify some areas of weakness. And they'll come up with some drills and we'll have them introduced to drill. You know, they'll have five or six kids. They'll introduce the drill. They'll monitor the drill. Um, You know, that that's, and then I usually call that drill by their name, you know, just to give them a little bit of ownership. Um, So those are some of the things, but I, I didn't realize. So I'm I'm an IT manager and I've been managing for a long time. I never thought these kids could be managed the same way and you know the the pandemic kind of you know with with some you know other mentors and stuff like that you know came to the realization that give them an opportunity and and when i gave them the opportunity um they've excelled at it so i i try you know pre-game warm-ups you know here's some things i'd like you to do you guys tell me what you want to do you know what are you comfortable with inbounds plays you know what's what's your favorite inbounds plays What's your favorite offense? Let's start with your favorite offense. Unless there's a reason, you know, we don't do much scouting or whatnot in the junior high. We don't do any. Um, so, you know, going out the first offense, you know, it's, it's a choice that I make. You know, sometimes I'll ask a couple of kids, what do you think we should go out on? So it's, it's again, it's back to giving them a little bit of control over it. Um, but you're, you know, it's, it's within barriers. You know, you're not just giving a full ring and do whatever you want, roll ball out. Um, but you give them... You know, you ask them questions. And and if you say, no, we're not going to do that, you give them why. Right. You know, this is why. Why would I not choose that? Because of X, Y, and Z. Let's mm-hmm. have that discussion. Mm-hmm. It's just going to build their their joy and it's going to build their knowledge. And, and they're just going to be better people, you know, in the long run. Asking questions, giving the kids ownership. There's so much we and us, you know, for, for coaches. I mean, rewind the last five minutes and listen to that again, because I think that that could be really challenging for many of us to give up that much control, but in a sense, you're, you're not giving it up because it's, it's us as a team anyway, right? It's not your team. It's our team, right? It's and the kids are the ones that are out there playing. And so um, just so many good nuggets in there. You mentioned giving them uh, the chance to 
you know, define some words that mean something to them, you know, leadership, effort, what are some of the behaviors, what are some of the standards that we want to, um, to live by throughout the course of this season. And then the, the question thing and the ownership of how they want to run certain drills and what they're seeing, uh, man, I think we can all get better if we did, even if we're doing some of that already, we can continue to get better by doing that more often. That's really great stuff. Um, Jeff, you've been a member of Coach's Edge for a year, so you've had plenty of time to uh, unsubscribe from from our membership. What keep you know what made you join Coach's Edge Coach, and you know what keeps you coming back? Uh, there's, I mean, first off, you, you know, your knowledge, your experience. Um, I can reach out to you whenever I need anything, and and you always give me, you know, many many pearls of wisdom to think about and, and evaluate things differently. Um, also the, the group of members on there, um, when we do get together and we get together pretty often, there's a lot of good discussion and a lot of good nuggets from those conversations. So, you know, it first starts with you and I think it's the, the people around you, the members and, and the content that you have. I, mm -hmm. I think, you know, I learn a couple of things from you guys, you know, anytime I, I talk to you, anytime I join a, a, a bit, uh, a, a meeting or whatnot. Um, there's always one or two things I take away from it. And, and above all that, I, I, you know, I think it's a really group of good people, mm. you know, we're all out for the same goal, right? We're here to help each other. Um, and, and I like that, that partnership, that, that relationship building, um, that you guys provide. And I just want to just say, you know, the pandemic changed the whole coaching industry. I mean, once the pandemic hit, everybody was more forth, forth willing to yeah. discuss things. <laughs> and I, I've learned a ton from many coaches that I probably never get the opportunity right. to work with. Um, and nothing here is, is mine. It is, you know, an adaptation or a combination of everybody's good stuff out there. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a lot of good organizations. I think one of the top ones is, is um, coaches edge. Um, and, you know, as long as I'm coaching, I, I plan to be a member because it, it adds value to me and, and my team. So I appreciate what you do and, uh, appreciate giving me this opportunity. I'm not, well, you know, I'm not a, a podcast person, but, um, <laughs> like we talked about earlier, you know, I was, I was excited and I was very apprehensive. Um, but you know, like I told you, you know, I tell my kids to, to span the horizons. This is me. Kind of put my my mouth to my words and words <laughs> to my mouth or whatever and doing what I tell them to do. So, mm -hmm. um, no, I appreciate it. Thank you for everything. Heck yeah, man. I'm I mean I'm glad to you'd be on the podcast. We haven't done one on five out first of all, which is kind of crazy because with how many episodes we've had. So I want to do a handful on five out and um, you know just listen to you and our coaches edge meetings talk about it. I was like, you know, I just feel like you'd be a good person to chat five out about. And so to our coaches listening, there was some great nuggets in here from that standpoint of, you know, how you could start to introduce that to your team. And obviously I know I speak for myself and our other coaches edge members, they feel the same way about you and uh, your contributions to the coaches edge. I love our meetings and anytime where, you know, there's a, a question asked that makes everybody think, a little bit different, right? Or you share something that you do at your practices and other coaches are like, oh, that's a pretty good, pretty good idea. Maybe we can start to incorporate that. And so again, that is, you know, what you mentioned, yep. that, that is probably one of my favorite things about the coach's edge is, you know, it's not just, hey, I got 
a membership. I can go online and get some videos. Um, it's, it's a community coaches meet up and we try to help one another. And like you said, it's good. It's good people. And, and you're one of those people. So thank you for enlightening us and our listeners. Um, if you're, if you're a coach that's listening and you're a varsity coach, you say, Hey, maybe this is a little too much for your junior high coaches. You just listen to Jeff who's breaking it down, share this episode with some of your younger level coaches and, and say, Hey, you can start to incorporate some of these things at the younger levels as well. And that's going to allow your players to be more effective as they continue to get older, really developing positionless all around basketball. Um, so coach pillar, I can't thank you enough. Um, anything else you want to share with our coaches before we let you go? No, I think, I think the middle school has its own, you know, a lot of focus on high school, middle school has its own challenges, differences, um, you know, having your varsity coach work with you and not work with you, you know, involving the youth program, mm -hmm. getting people that aren't competitive to a competitive mindset. Um, so I, I think the, uh, the middle school is, is a unique um, opportunity for us coaches. And um, I'm always open to, to talk about, to talk to anybody, you know, about middle school basketball, you know, because, you know, as you, as you indicated, when we talked together, we weren't, you know, even though if we're discussing something, we weren't things from that. Mm -hmm. So always open to opportunities to uh, discuss middle school basketball or anything that I had here and, and definitely appreciate the opportunity. Coach Graham. Uh -huh. Awesome. I appreciate you. I'll put Coach Pillar's uh, contact information uh, in the, the show notes of the description of the podcast below. This was awesome. Great stuff. Thank you guys for listening to the Coach's Edge podcast and get after it today.